Um, for those of you who don't know me, I think everybody does seem to know my name. One of the big disadvantages of being in a wheelchair, everybody knows the name of the woman in the wheelchair. But remembering what everybody else's name is is quite difficult. So if I don't know you, please come and introduce yourself to me. And I promise I will learn your name as quickly as I can. I've been coming to King's for, well, since it started, really. And where the middle block are sat now, so where all these people in the middle are sat now, I parked my car there one cold, I'm sure it was a November night because it was really foggy outside. It was freezing. And this room was much bigger than it is now. There was all the bits at the side, all the bits behind. It went all the way back into where the prayer room and the lounge are. Now, if you haven't discovered them, do. And it was vast. And I had to park my car here. The night after we sort of secured this place as a, as a um, building, as a centre for the work of the church, and we got a chance to look round it for the first time. Because all the negotiations were going on by elders and some financial wizardry and all the rest of it, all the things it needs to secure it. And so the church itself us, got a chance to look round. But of course, I couldn't get in anywhere because there were steps everywhere. There was, it was a nightmare for me. And I thought, oh, great, I bought a, I've helped contribute to a place I actually can't get into other than sitting in my car. But I remember sitting in the car, it was just really surreal looking at you all now and thinking, my car was there. And thinking, you know, that is, I had a, this free sort of excitement because I thought, wow, what would it be like when this building was constructed and ready? And not particularly because whether it was full or not, I've, I'm not, really a fan of big churches but it was more the lives of people that were changed by the fact that we got the building see this building is just a building it's a very useful building don't get me wrong it's the king's center it's the home of king's church and when people ask me what church do you go to i say i'm a member of king's church but I go to the King's Centre, that's our centre, where we worship. I don't say I go to King's Church. Now, you might think that is just me being picky with English, right? But there's a real spiritual message there because when we all leave the building this morning, it ceases to be the church. It is just the King's Centre. It's where we as a church worship. You are it. You are the church of God. You are God's rescue plan. God help him. If that doesn't sound like, you know, for, for bringing people into the kingdom. And there was no better example of the work of the church going on than the baptisms last week. Wasn't it great for all that new life to come? It was. It was really good. I mean, I actually, I don't, I'm not somebody who gets emotional. I didn't even cry at Titanic. You know, I just... <laughs> Football and sport tend to make me more emotional and, um, and beautiful music, but not, not really using films. And, and I'm not sentimental about stuff, but wow, last week, listening to people's stories and hearing real difficult lives 
you know, God bless them. And we need to get those people knitted into us and get alongside them, as has already been said this morning. So the church is us, not the building. Now I'm taking a break from Acts this morning and I'm talking about, I had to say all of that first to stop being nervous. Right, so I'm taking a break. This is the actual sermon, so you can time me from now. Um, I'm going to talk about stones. And I'm going to root what I want to say in Scripture first, so you don't think I'm some wacky person who's made it up and who just goes, has a picture and thinks, this is what God wants to share. I want to show you how it's really rooted in Scripture. So starting, this started way back in January, this word, when I read the following very familiar to me passage in the Old Testament. It comes from Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 5. I'm up to the second slide already, Tom. Sorry, that's my fault. Right. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. And it's a very familiar passage. It's often read at funerals. And of course, we can agree with the first bit. It, you know, when you, you think about it, which is what I was doing in my daily Bible study, thinking about this passage. It says a time to be born and a time to die. Well, that's obvious. Those are two appointed times we can do nothing about. A time to plant and a time to uproot. Boy, as a gardener, do I know that. There is a time to be planting things and there's a time when they all go too big or in the wrong place and they're uprooted. A time to kill and a time to heal. That one's a bit more confusing, but thankfully I'm not addressing that one this morning. But there's a time to tear down and a time to build. And that's, that's actually true. There is a time when you have to tear down some buildings. You know, that happens all the time. And to build new. We can see that one. Time to weep and a time to laugh. You know, weeping at funerals, laughing at parties. Sometimes um, they, they take longer. The time to mourn and a time to dance. There is a time to celebrate. And there's also a time to mourn. And that's not just for um, when people die. It's mourning all sorts of other things as well. And I think missed job opportunities, all sorts of things. But it was the last one that I had a bit of sort of, not confusion, but when I thought about it, I thought, when is it an appropriate time to scatter stones? And when is it an appropriate time to gather them? And I could think about gathering, but the scattering just thought, when is it appropriate to scatter stones? You know, unless you buy a river and you're with kids and you're throwing them in. It, it was something. And so I, taught, I sort of thought about it a lot. And it was that verse I kept coming back to, along with a time to um, tear down and a time to build. And that was my starting point for this sermon. And I thought, I'm going to talk about it now, but I want you to think both as I talk about physical stones, but I'm also talking about things in a spiritual way too. Um, 
And I'm going to return to the Ecclesiastes passage at the end. So if you're listening, you will know when I come to the end, which is always a relief, isn't it? It may take me a long while to get there, but we'll have a go. So I'm reading this, starting in the Old Testament. And there's, um, it's slide three, please, Tom. So Joshua 4, verses 1 to 3, says this. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So the nation was the nation of Israel, the special people God had called out. They were a nomadic people who were traveling to the promised land, and they'd come to the Jordan and the miraculously God had parted the water just like he did with the Red Sea with Moses and Joshua who's in charge at the time asks the 12 tribes because they were split into 12 different tribes that they each chose one man to pick up a stone pick it up out the river carry it and put it down again right sounds a bit odd if I was one of the tribe leaders, I wouldn't be because I'm a girl and tribe leaders weren't girls. But if I was, I would pick the most kind of fit, like physically fit young person and say, go and pick the biggest stone out the river. You know, make sure our stone is bigger than the stone from the tribe of Benjamin. Because we sometimes think of these people as very different from us. And I don't think they were any different from us. I think when those 12 guys, you pick 12 young guys who are going to put all their stones on the side of the, you know, the river. My nephews, there's four of them, they'll make anything a competition. You know, they're in their 20s and anything. And I can imagine this became a bit of a competition. But God was using it to teach the people a spiritual lesson. He wanted those stones in the landscape as a marker to show them this is where I parted the Jordan for you. This is where God did that. It was a physical marker they could look at. And all through their nomadic sort of wanderings, physical markers were put in the landscape that people could look back on and say, that's where our ancestors crossed the Jordan. As God was faithful to them, he will be faithful to us now. Do you know that Jewish people often pick up a stone now when they visit somebody's grave or mark something and put it there to show that they were there? It's something that is not as strange as you think it is. Moving on, there's a passage in Samuel that, uh, can slide uh, four please? It says, then Samuel took up a stone, set it up between Mitzpah and Shem, and he named it Ebenezer. Which sounds, again, really weird. I mean, do you name your stones in your gardens? The reason why you named it Ebenezer, it means, thus far the Lord has helped us. This is, we're not there yet, but God has helped us thus far. And when we first moved into this building, and I'm so old I remember that, we were just in the Red Hall, we didn't have any of this this hadn't been developed. And we raised an Ebenezer as a church. 
You nod if you remember that. Stick your hand up, actually, if you remember that. See how many people... I'm not going to harp on about the past all the time. But, yeah, that's something we did. And we did it to say, we're not there yet, but look how far God has helped us. Look what God has financially helped us do. You know, how on earth did we get here? But we got here by the grace of God. And he's been faithful with us this far. Can I have slide five, please? Marking an occasion with something physical is something you see on pilgrimages with people using white stones. But also you see these sort of things where people just put them maybe to signify something, maybe after a day out, maybe just because their kids like piling stones up by rivers. But we make our mark in the landscape for reasons. Slide six. Over Scotland and the north of England, which is where Christianity began, with St. Columba, it's littered with things like this called cairns. They often mark um, trigonometry points in the landscape, um, which is just a point which um, measures stuff. (laughs) I did trigonometry at school, and I've never, ever had to use it since. Who here is an adult and has used trigonometry in their job? Few and far between. How many of the rest of us used it in our daily lives? So many useful things we're taught at school, and I'm a teacher. But there you go. So these were often, they often mark the highest point in the landscape, but they're also there, and they've been there for centuries. And I'm talking to some very ancient ones in Scotland that people find uh, just markers in the landscape. We don't really know why. We don't know why they're there. They're always built sort of in the same way, with the same pattern, with no cement in them. But again, it's people marking something that's gone on in the landscape. And you also see these, these slide seven, please, boundary markers. If you're out for a walk, you often see these. They mark the boundaries between properties and boundaries between counties and things like that. And some of them are really old. You know, we're talking pre-Roman times that mark our ancient boundaries. And a stone meant something. And I think these people were living in tents. You've got to remember that. And they're living in a land that they don't uh, sort of own at the moment. And they're carrying around with them tents for everything. You know, like permanently living in a tent is a nightmare for me. They didn't have physical buildings but they had these markers all the way through and God was faithful to them. He was faithful in feeding them. He was faithful in giving them water. He was faithful in leading them. They moaned all the time and he still led them. And these things in the landscape marked different occasions that people could look at and go, so far we've come. God's got us this far. God will get us through this. If you're going through something at the moment, look back over your life on how far God brought you so far. Think of all the things that are markers in your life that you can say, God got me through that. God will get me through this. And I always think that faith can be like crossing a river. Sometimes when we're new to faith, God gives us a bridge and we just take a step of faith and bang, there's a bridge. And we just walk across it to the other side. 
sometimes that bridge looks a bit more like a rope bridge. You step on it and you think, oh, it's a little bit wobbly. I wonder if the ropes will hold. And you keep walking and it's a bit more wobbly in the middle, but it gets you to the other side. Sometimes there are occasions in my life where it's been a bit like that when God's asked me to do something and it's on a, mm, okay, God, it's a bit of a wobbly one, this, but yeah. Sometimes it's been like getting in a boat and rowing across by sheer effort and sort of a bit of dogged determination, actually crossing against the flow of the river to the other side when God's asked me to do something. And a lot of the time, it's like stepping stones. You step on the first stone, and on that occasion, God met you. And it was solid, and you knew that God had met you. And so when you're asked to do the next step, well, the first step held, I can look back and see, wow, God, you were with me then. So as you step onto the next step, wow, God, your word is true. What you promised me, I can get there. And the next step might be a little bit smaller, and it might look slippy, and it might be a bigger stretch, but now you're halfway across the river. The next one, it might have to be a leap of faith. It may even have to be a leap to the bank. And you think, oh, I've got to leap across that. Oh, I wonder, maybe I should go back. But you're already halfway across the river. And God says, keep going. Every place you put your foot before, I've met you. I've been faithful. And that's both to us corporately as a church and also to us individually. You can all, I'm sure you can all think of things in your own lives that have meant that that's a step and they're all building blocks for, for continuing in faith and what I want to go on to talk about now is one of my kind of favorite things that came out of it's linked to what I want to say about stones and what I said about the beginning but it started um, days out sort of years ago one of my favorite things to do is to go through the dales the Yorkshire Dales, well, all the Durham Dales, or any Dales, really, but mostly the ones near me, the Yorkshire Dales. And my sister, who lives in London, and brother-in-law, have loved doing this too. And we go, well, I've been on every road, I can confidently say this, I, I can seriously confidently say that I have been on every B, C, and even, if they exist, D road, I'm saying that because some of them are grass growing up the middle of them um, and in the Yorkshire Dales. And I've done them in both directions because we've been up dales, down dales, across dales. And the reason I can confidently say it is because we are very sad. We are three teachers and we have a system where we finish that we get a pink highlighter pen and we highlight all the pink, all the roads we've been on. And we even drive up some of the little ones just to say we've done them. That's how sad we all are. And if you can imagine three teachers going out for the day, you've got one who's really good at geology and geography and who will describe all the geological features in the landscape. And you've got um, me, who is very good at flora and fauna, 
and actually knows breeds of cows and sheep. Why, you know, I know breeds of cows. They can look at a cow and go, what breed is that, children? I know what they are. So sad, isn't it? And my sister, who's also really good at wildlife, and we just love it. We love stopping at the, looking at the views, looking at the wildlife. And the reason we love the Dales so much is also the crisscrossing of dry stone walls. They're just beautiful. And we've begun to notice over time, because we're like that, you can only apologise for us, but we're like that, that different dry stone walls are different in different valleys. So each dale has its own kind of dry stone walls. And within that, you can actually see, if, if you know the people who've built them, who built what wall? They're all uniquely constructed. They're all the same because they don't have cement, but they're all uniquely constructed in their old, all their different ways. And I want to use that as a kind of physical example now. Can you put um, slide nine up? Isn't that gorgeous? Absolutely beautiful. Wish you were there, don't you? I'll hurry up so you can get out there the rest of today. Right. Can you put slide 10 up? Now, stones are placed on top of each other in such a way as it holds the wall up. And it often stands for hundreds of years. So when I'm talking now, some of you are going to be streets ahead of me, because I said that what I'm talking about physically is also true spiritually. So this is a picture of the church. One wall is a picture of the church. And each stone in that wall is really important. You are not just another brick in the wall. It's not a house built out of bricks with cement that looks all uniform. It is a bit of a wiggly, beautiful wall. Slide 11. Sometimes... You see them broken, and we've seen them through the landscape broken, and we stopped and talked to somebody who was repairing one once, and we listened and learned some very interesting stuff about why they break and what happens when they break. Have slide 12 up. So, the walls often break in two places, one by the gates, because the sheer pressure of the animals at the gates, at times when maybe they know they're going to be fed in the winter, when they, they come around with the sheep nuts, and they gather at the um, gates, and obviously the sheer pressure of a flock of sheep at that gate sometimes puts pressure on the wall, and it breaks. But the other place they break is, if you can imagine a sloped field, there's what's called runoff, where the water at the top carries with it when it rains, a bit of the soil down each time that builds up against the inside of the wall till one day a little sheep in the field looks over the wall and thinks, ooh, grass is greener over there. And the sheep thinks, I can get over this wall. But I, yeah, in fact, I think I can. And jumps over the wall, knocking a few stones out as it goes and then enjoying, has a little munch in the field. But because it's higher on the downside of it, it's only built up on one side, can't always get back in again, and the farmer has to go and rescue sheep from wherever. 
But when one sheep's jumped the wall, another one looks over and thinks, where's he gone? Haven't seen him for a while. Oh, oh, maybe I, oh, maybe I should go and try some more grass. And it jumps over the wall. And it goes and have a munch in another field. And then a few think, oh, where's he gone? And they get together and think, maybe we should, maybe we should try out another field. And they jump over the wall too. And by the time you've done all of that, a lot of the wall has begun to fall down. Now, there are some people here who, during, well, I think I'll talk about the pressure on the gates first. During the pandemic, I think a lot of pressure came on the leadership of our church and the church because of everybody having 7,242 different opinions about what we should do. Because we're all individuals, we're all unique stones. And lots of people, we were juggling so many things. Nobody knew what the pandemic meant. Keeping us all safe was important. Then you've got people who are saying, where's your faith? You're not going to get COVID because where's your faith? But then we're having to obey government guidelines. There are people who were shielding. There are people who couldn't come. There are people who wanted to come and thought we should open. I mean, it got really difficult. And yet we never ceased to be the church. This was always just the building. And it came, some of it brought out the best of some people because they looked after people right the way through the pandemic and kept talking to people. But it has left us in a very different place. The face of the church is very different to how it was before. And some people have moved on and some people for all sorts of reasons haven't come back. And we have lost people. And there's bits of the wall I think have actually collapsed. And we also have the other thing where people think, well, maybe I'll be happier somewhere else and think the grass is greener, as people always do, and go somewhere else. Now, don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with what of actually going, if you're not happy here, going somewhere else. We like happy sheep, you know? Happy sheep's good sheep. You don't look very... <laughs> do you know, it's so funny doing this again because I just think, Oh my goodness me, is, is it me or is it, you know, or maybe it's just your, maybe my resting face is, I don't know, maybe it is, it probably is actually, but it is quite, it is quite funny. We do want, but we want a happy sheep, don't we? We want, we want to grow good grass here for people. We want people to be fed. It's not about us, it's about reaching a world that's hurting outside us. You know, we want to get our act together so we can have more Sundays where we welcome people in. So if you're not content here, and if you're thinking maybe the grass is greener, then actually have a chat with somebody you trust and work it through. I've had my own struggles with this just for all sorts of reasons. And actually, this is where I am. This is where I'm committed is this a perfect church? No, because I'm in it. You know, and I'm not perfect. But while I'm here and live where I do, this is where I'm committed to. You've got to settle that in your heart today, I think. That's something I really feel from God. And if seeing a bit of the wall collapse has left you feeling a bit wobbly, don't worry. 
because God's rebuilding that wall. So, a slide 13. What does the farmer do when he's repairing the wall? Well, he breaks more of the wall down. That's interesting, isn't it? He actually doesn't just build that big bit back up. He actually pushes loads of stones out of it and scatters them over the ground. And all the team of people building it. And he does it on purpose in order to build it up again. And there is a huge variety of stones that are needed to build this wall up. So, you need some big, straight, hefty stones at the bottom to bear the weight. And remember, when the farmers knocked this wall down, some of the stones at the top end up at the bottom, and some that were in the middle end up at the top, and some that were sort of halfway up, neither up nor down, are now at the bottom. Now, the ones at the bottom are just, and they might not be the people you think of, there's a lot of people in this church I can look at and think they are solid stones in this wall. And I'm talking about people who, not necessarily a leaders, whatever, you might think that, but it's actually people who have come, faithfully turned up, faithfully been there, faithfully prayed, faithfully supported people, mature, solid Christians who have, just that word faithful comes to me. They are reliable, mature, faithful people. And I, I just want to mention three this morning. I want to commend somebody to you who isn't here this morning, and that is Gordon Phillips and his wife Maureen. If he hadn't project managed this so brilliantly, we wouldn't have this building as we have today. The reason you haven't seen him is he's in really ill health at the moment. He is still a part of this church. And he and his wife Maureen have just been good, solid, reliable people. They were hefty stones at the bottom of the wall. They're still very much part of us, but they just can't come at the moment. We need some more people to be take up that role of just being there, being reliable, being one of those stones, the solid stone. You might not think of yourself as that. You might think of other people as that, but they're a couple who were. There's another David, David who was mentioned this morning. He'll be a big loss to us because he and his wife, um, Geraldine, were part of this church for ages, and they're solid stones again. Maybe, you know, people don't get the headlines. And the other people I'd like to mention is because I've, I've just felt God put this in my heart too, is Clive and Alison. Clive and Alison Merritt. Clive was a really big part of this church. He died during the pandemic. And solid stones, really solid stones. Alison is obviously still coming, but she's spending a lot of time, rightly so, visiting her gorgeous grandchildren down in Brighton, where his son's now a um, leader of a, a church. But they were good, solid people. They're, you know, their stones, Geraldine's and Clive's, are now, you know, in the heavenly building that is, God, their stones have moved on. And we can never, ever replace them because they were uniquely shaped, uniquely gifted. But people can play the same role. 
So some of you, you need to be big, hefty, reliable, good, mature Christian stones in this building, you know, to hold the wall up. Some of you, and I, are odd. <laughs> Do you know, it's, it's, I just have to say, I've got to say this, if I go, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm not being rude, because I am odd too, all right, so, but I sometimes I worry about the fact that we've got quite a lot of odd people in our church. Now, it's great, I'm just saying it like it is at the moment, it is great that they are part of the church. What I'm talking about is maybe they're flat stones with a bit of a pointy bit, and then a kind of seven little sides on one side, and a bit that hangs out the bottom. Can you imagine a stone like that? And the thing is, they fit perfectly in this dry stone wall. They are just the shape God needs to stick into the middle of the wall, to be part of that flat bit of this bit fits that bit, as long as they've got people around them, as long as the stones around them help support them. And the unique shape of those stones the wall would be a much more boring wall without them. But they need balance. It's got to be balanced out. You can't have all odd stones or they won't fit together. You've got to have some stones that are just help the balance of it all. And often these are, when the farmer picks them up, these are the masses of little small, insignificant, so they might think, stones that he can put in, in any place that balance it out. They're great. So never think, I am insignificant. I, you know, God can't use me. Rubbish. You are the absolute essential parts of this wall. And then there's the top stones. The top stones are the ones that obviously go on the top and line up side by side. And they're the ones that protect the building, or the, in this case the wall, from the weather. The worst of the rain, the worst of the snow. Whatever happens, they're along the top. They also are slightly, quite often they're angular, to try and deter the sheep from jumping over the wall and they're selected each one from the pile can I have slide 14 up so the farmer pulls the wall down to rebuild it and he picks the best stones to put in the best place and the result is everybody at the end of it is all keyed in together and the wall looks seamless, absolutely seamless. And that when he's had to deconstruct the wall, because there is a time to do that and a time to build, I think we've had a time of deconstruction in ready, all ready for being reconstructed now. And I think it's the reconstruction time now. And some of the stones at the top end up at the bottom, remember? Some that were in the middle end up at the sides, God puts them back where he wants them. I have been in my time in this church, the roles I've played, I've served God here as a leader of the children's work and a, just a helper. 
I have been a trustee. I have helped on Alpha courses. I've had Alpha courses in my house. I've cooked for Alpha courses. I've led Alpha courses. I've done all sorts of things with Alpha. I've taught hearing courses that we've had. I've taught in little groups. I've been a member of a, several different home groups. I once, oh, had a really boring role helping with the admin to sort out the health and safety for this building. And to this day, I know what size ladders we need that you're allowed to use unaccompanied, just leaning against the wall, and what size you need when you have to get something to change the light bulb, say. I know the gosh regulations for this building. I'd serve, but it wasn't particularly, I could do it, and I was asked to do it, and I did it. So I've served God. My stone has been all over the place in this wall. And I've just served God while I'm here. It doesn't make me special. It's just that, you know, I told you I was odd, so I can obviously fit in a lot of places. Um, I want you to stare at the people next to you. I know it's so un-British, isn't it? Who's feeling embarrassed? <laughs> and stare at the people behind you. You're allowed to sort of turn around and look at them. Good stare. Give them a good stare. Okay. So, these people are the stones in the wall. That is King's Church. These are the people whose lives God wants to build you into, okay? I want you just to, I want you just, it's a case of just looking at each other and thinking, we're it. You know, we, and what, what does that mean for us? Well, what it means for us is we have to actually make sure we welcome new people in. We have to make sure we get out of our little comfort zone and talk to other people, get to know new people. This, get to know, take every opportunity to try and be part of the life of the church while you're here, in whatever way. If you've got a dog, find somebody else in the church you can maybe walk a dog with to get to know them that way. If you like cooking, get together for a cookery afternoon. If you like reading, Share books and talk about them with each other. If you like running, gather a few people and go for a run. Do whatever you do. Have a movie night. You know, everybody's got Netflix now. Invite some people around to watch something suitably gorgeous and Christian, of course. I don't think they exist on Netflix, do they? But there's lots of other stuff on. Whatever you can do, try and extend your friendship group to include some other people. We've all got to get... Knit, oh, no, can't really use that. Knit, you can't knit stones, and I don't like that. We've all got to stand shoulder to shoulder with each other and be built into the wall of God. And if you're a sheep who's feeling a bit wobbly and is looking at the grass being greener, yeah, grass is always greener, you know? But give us a chance to grow greener grass here. If you want to be part of this church, I really think you need to settle that in your heart this morning and bring your gifts, your whoever you are, bring your uniqueness to us because we can make between us a most beautiful dry stone wall.